Eloquentia perfected ex machina. Eloquentia perfected ex machina. Eloquentia perfected ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition. Welcome to this coup of Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, in which we overthrow Byron Gilman Hernandez. I'm Carol Hogan Downey, and today I sit down with Natalie Whitaker to discuss the topic of gaming or video gaming in our rhetoric courses. Natalie, do you want to say hi? Hi. (laughs) So I guess a good place to start would be to kind of think about in, in our own cultural moment, the significance of it. I uh, recently read a story about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez joining in a Donkey Kong Twitch live stream, which is one of those video gaming live streams, to raise money for trans rights in gaming. Um, And I thought that was kind of crazy thinking about someone, I mean, she's 29, but thinking about someone in the Capitol publicly using video gaming in this kind of way, this thing that we always, I always kind of saw as juvenile when I was, you know, a young adult. Yeah, I love that you um, told me about that because I hadn't seen that myself. And it really um, reminded me of growing up as a young female gamer and the culture that, the negative culture that really surrounded that um, because you were viewed as this minority in that sense and often sexualized and kind of denigrated and you you were assumed to like never be really that good of a player and that sort of thing and so there's always been these kind of negative connotations around uh women in um in gaming which i think we we definitely saw recently with you know gamergate um and how that shed a a, both (laughs) of both kind of exploded and shed a lot of light on sexism and um, lack of progressivism in in gaming. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those are just a couple of topics, but there are so many little ways that video gaming seems to be really coming onto the scene. It seems to be something that we need to be addressing, if not at least in our tech media and rhetoric courses, in the 1900 courses. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I am currently using uh, some gaming stuff, but I know that you're also really interested in it right now. Yeah, it really came to my mind because I was playing this video game. It's an Xbox game, um, and it's called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And it came to my attention because it's within my field of study. It, it's centered on um, this Celtic warrior woman uh, during the Viking Age, you know, a very popular thing right now, um, to talk about Vikings, and uh, it was created by an indie uh, company, Ninja Theory, because they wanted to create a game that looked at uh, mental health and mental illness and psychoses, so they basically worked with a lot of neuroscientists and people who experience uh, psychosis, and uh, and created kind of the, or tried to create the the effects that happened with that to sort of 
spread the the word or, or, or allow people to understand what happens um, when you're dealing with di different mental health um, issues. Uh, and they framed it within this very captivating story of this young Celtic warrior female, uh, kind of in response to Gamergate in, in doing that. And of course, there was backlash because they had a Celtic female warrior. So um, that can open up a lot of interesting conversations in, say, the gender and identity um, sub-theme of English 1900. And then, of course, dealing with the psychosis and the mental uh, illness of the game, um, you can talk about that in the medical humanities sub-theme. And she is going through dealing with this, uh, the like voices in her head that she calls demons and stuff like that and going through and going to, uh, you know, Viking hell. And you can, of course, talk about that within, say, faith and doubt <laughs> sub-theme. So, like, I could go down the list of every single sub-theme and talk to you about how, like, it connects with this one game. And what's really great about this game is that it lasts seven to ten hours, so you can easily teach it in a, mo in a single module. Um, and not only does the content of the game, it, it would be fascinating, you know, for um, undergrads to play, but it, it's also beautiful. I mean, it has won so many awards uh, on the graphic design. So you can really play it and look for both the rhetorical constructs of it, that, that framework um, for content and discussion, and also for visual rhetoric, which is why I think looking at more games like that is important when we're considering how to broaden the way we teach rhetoric. I, I completely agree. And a lot of what you were talking about uh, was really making me think about some of the things that I'm going to be bringing up in an unfortunately brief section of my course when we talk about gaming and um, explore game creation. I've actually been playing around on Unity, a popular game engine, um, the software and the site that you can buy what, what are called assets on, so the parts of your game that you're making. And I was trying to put together a simple 3D game, which I know is 3D, so it's a little bit less simple, but I was trying to put one together on my MacBook, and it's pretty, it's a MacBook Pro, it's pretty good. But um, I was running into some problems, and my MacBook basically just couldn't. And I knew that when I bought it, that it, I mean, I've been told before that MacBooks don't have the RAM or the graphics cards, the memory of the graphics cards to uh, do, to play games or design them. And I, when I bought it, never thought that I would be um, getting into this. But it's becoming clear to me that, that this would be something useful for us, especially as we consider the games from the consumer's end. Being able to play around with this software, if the, say, the Compass Lab director wanted to get for the lab uh, a good, strong PC laptop and a department or program Unity account, our students would be able to use this in all sorts of ways. I mean, the most obvious being to design their own multimedia projects, either in the form of well, apps, but also um, casual games like Call of Duty or, you know, simpler versions of that, as well as serious games, which is a lot closer to what the game you were just describing sounds like, that explore a problem that have a less entertainment-focused purpose and more of um, to bring an idea forward to explore something either aesthetically or philosophically. And also on a larger scale having this unity software this computer this element in our program 
would per perhaps open up doors as we consider our oncoming core and the cross-curricular focus of that, perhaps roping in, in one way or another, uh, computer science programs and credits, maybe graphic design from our, an, our art program, as well as in our theater program. Of course, my own area of research in digital humanities in the theater, um, right now it's very hot to think about video games as digital performance, and it might be something of use to our theater students. And on a larger scale, it also deals with or allows for this, this software um, and hardware allows our students to engage in practice-based research, which is another thing that I'm personally interested in my own work, the, the work of doing and learning from the experience of making or doing. And so it would allow us to consider, for instance, Gamergate, um, not only from the consumer side, but from backstage, to ask how these games are made, how the thoughts of, like, if we're thinking representation to bouncing boobs, things like that, like, the choices made there, but the assets, the parts, characters, skins, or characters that you buy, the worlds that you can buy or get freely, and what is available out there already, because it's very hard to make from scratch your own assets, um, meaning that the game that you make, it, what you make is determined by those assets that are available, and what is available freely, because some are, and what cost money. And then thinking about why, I mean, who's making these, but also um, who isn't and what that means, what is represented in that stuff, and to think about the effort it takes to create the new things from scratch and the, the, what's put on, the burden that's put on people who are trying to create a more capacious uh, medium in the video game and the work that they have to do on their own, often through low-funded independent companies and collectives. And just little things like that that are part of this larger design-based, building-based question that I'm having my students consider, at least in my uh, technology, media, and rhetoric course. Our focus being you are what you consume, but we're also thinking about the not just the consumer, but the producer, of course. And I think those questions are really important. I agree. I think it would be excellent to try to to bring these things together and have them uh, become core components of these various English 1900 classes. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that even, especially if we can get these materials for our program, you and I would be able to perhaps, maybe later down the line in the semester as we've developed, as I've developed familiarity with, on my end with one, but you're already familiar with yours, to present something to the instructors so that they can also learn to use these materials and we can kind of explore and play around with that. I think that um, it would be very helpful. Yeah, I think it'd be a great initiative to take on here at SLU. Great. So thanks so much for joining me, Natalie. Um, and thanks for joining us listeners on this uh, coup. We hope you had a good time.
If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, share an assignment, tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Byron Gilman Hernandez at byron.gilmanhernandez at slu.edu. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina.